Amen. Thank you, Brother Marzette, for, for leading those songs. Yes. Um, really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, again, it's good to see each number one of you here uh, in the building and uh, also those on the prayer line. Uh, if you have a Bible this morning, uh, if you can, turn it to uh, the book of Genesis. And we'll start book of Genesis at uh, give me one second here and let me flip over to it. Genesis, the 37th chapter. So, uh, before we get into uh, Genesis, the 37th chapter, um, and we're going to do uh, a lot of uh, Bible, uh, a lot of scripture reading this morning, I guess is the way I want to put it. Um, and uh, the reason why um, I want to do that. Uh, a lot of scripture because the Bible does a very good job of describing to us. Well, we know that all scripture scripture is profitable, right? Um, you know, for proof, for instruction in righteousness. You know that the the Word of God pertains to life and godliness. So, to to say, I guess that the Bible does a pretty good job is an understatement. Right. The Bible does a perfect job. And highlight it to all of us, you know, who we should be um, in, in word and deed, the type of people we should be when we interact with others, mm-hmm. um, and gives us insights as to how we should deal with uh, different situations that may come across our paths and our lives, you know, whether they be good or bad, whether it's a time of, uh, you know, harvest or a time of famine, um, adversity or a time of peace. Uh, the scripture does a perfect job in telling us the type of people uh, that we should be. Um, along those lines is it also does a perfect job in highlighting to us the personality um, that we should have as Christians. Now you may say, um, well, Thomas War or Brother Garner, why are you giving a discussion about the Christian personality? That's the title of the lesson this morning, is the Christian personality. You know, all of us are individuals. Um, you know, the Bible certainly, you know, isn't telling us that we should all be the same type of people. Well, when the scripture says that we should be of the same mind and the same spirit and the same understanding, you know, we should all be speaking the same things. You know, while we have maybe different personalities, some are introverts, some are extroverts. Um, you have your type A personalities, you have your type B personalities. There is only one Christian identity. Um, and that identity um, should always be patterned after the, the identity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, the, the old adage, you know, what would Jesus do, um, you know, really speaks to that. Uh, that Jesus is the example that we are to live by. You know, the scripture says that we are to be Christ-like. And, you know, while none of us will be Jesus Christ, none of us can ever claim to have lived and died 
uh, without sin as Jesus did. Right. Uh, but the the mindset always is that we should be Christ-like. Mm -hmm. When we when we ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus, uh, you know, answer this question in this circumstance? What would my Lord and Savior, a man who lived without sin, neither was there guile found in his mouth, what would he do? Mm -hmm. So there is only one Christian identity. We've talked about that, um, you know, uh, in, in, I can't remember how many Sundays ago, but there is also a personality trait that it should be common for all Christians. And the reason why I, I talk about personality traits is, uh, because again, we are individuals. Um, you know, you know, we're we're not robots. We're not all you know supposed to. There are, I guess, I would say, denominations of the world that that do you know profess in their doctrinal precepts that everyone has to look the same way, and all the men have to look a certain way. All the the women have to look a certain way. The scripture tells us that there is a way that is right to a man, but that is not the way of God. So when we, you know, these, as I'm alluding to here with the denominations, they, they have said that, you know, we, we should all look and dress and talk and, and walk a certain way. Um, that's man-made. Um, and that's not the way of God. Anything that a man devises absent the word of God is not aligned with God himself as a proverb writer um, highlights to us so when we talk about this Christian personality it's important that we look directly into the scripture and find out exactly the type of personality that God wants from all of us and, and I and I and I guess I should preface that by saying you know there are, you know, personalities lie on a spectrum, of course. I mean, uh, you know, Heather, uh, Sister Garner talks to me all the time. She says, well, you're not a very good introvert because you, you talk too much. You, you talk to people all the time. And I tell her, well, I, I am an introvert. I really don't like to be out in public. I mean, you've heard me say it before. I mean... I like people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't seek out to be around large groups of people. As a matter of fact, I get anxious. But you know, in some instances, I know that you know I I have a propensity to do that. Right. Right. So you know, to say that you know you're an introvert and you're an extrovert, you're a Type A personality, you're a Type B personality. You know. Human beings don't fall into, you know, discrete buckets. It's it's a it's a spectrum. Yes. You know, it's dependent on circumstances. It's dependent on the type of job, right? It's dependent on, you know, whether you're around friend or foe, mm -hmm. right? There, there's a whole bunch of variables that, that go into that. But, <clears throat> so if you look at, let's say, a type A personality, somebody who is, you know, aggressive, who's somebody who is, Concerned with competition, everything is a competition. Um, they have to be the leader. Um, they have to win. Winning is extremely important. You know, where a Type B personality, right, is someone who is maybe a little bit easygoing, 
you know, somebody who is, you know, maybe not as concerned with winning, but more concerned with teamwork. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not the, you know, the destination isn't a value to the type B personalities, the journey, right? You know, there, and again, if you look at maybe those general descriptions of both, um, I would say that, you know, if you were to overlay it on you or uh, as, as you look at whether or not you fall into one or the other, it's a spectrum. Mm -hmm. In some cases, you're over here. In some cases, not. In Genesis, the 37th chapter, um, mm -hmm. I want to talk about this man called Joseph. Mm -hmm. And uh, Joseph was the, the youngest son of, um, of his father. And we know that uh, his father uh, was called Israel. Mm -hmm. And uh, Israel was uh, Jacob. Um, Jacob, well, we know the story, right? That uh, um, Abraham and Esau, or sorry, Isaac and Esau really didn't get along. Mm -hmm. They were twins. Yes. And uh, they were, I don't know if they were identical or fraternal, but they came out of the same womb at roughly about the same time. Albeit Esau Cape was born first. As Esau was, you know, born, uh, the scripture tells us that Isaac reached up out of his mother's womb and grabbed Esau's heel or his uh, his ankle. Um, and so they were they were close, they were born close to one another. Now uh, Isaac and Esau didn't really or uh, am I getting that right? Jacob, uh, Jacob and Esau. My apologies. Jacob and Esau did really didn't uh, get along with one another um, because one was a homebody mm -hmm. and the other was a hunter. Mm -hmm. Now, I, maybe I wouldn't say they didn't get along, but maybe they had different roles in the family, mm -hmm. and those different roles were indicative of the different personalities that they had. Mm -hmm. The scripture again describes Jacob as being. A homebody and and Esau being one who is more muscular and hairy um, was one who was out there um, you know hunting mm -hmm. um, their father Isaac and thank you for for helping me out there um, clarifying that point their father Isaac loved venison mm -hmm. and so there there may have been because his son Esau was the hunter that brought the venison at least in the eyes of Rebecca, mm -hmm. um, uh, or excuse me, Rachel, at least in the eyes of Rachel, um, there, she viewed that, uh, that there was maybe somewhat of a preference there. And am I getting that right? It's Rebecca. Am I mixing it up again? Rebecca. Rebecca is, jo you're right. In the eyes of Rebecca, Rachel is Jacob's wife. I'll get this right. It's For those of you who understand, Sister Marzette and Brother Marzette know how how the morning has gone. So I apologize. Sorry. I'm not as sharp today, but um, you'll I'll, I'll bring it back around and we'll be on the same page. Okay. Um, but again, in this particular instance, because Isaac loved venison, um, Rebecca, <laughs> the wife of Isaac, mm -hmm. perceived 
that Esau was, uh, was, and his personality and all the things that he was, was preferred more than the son that was at home with her, mm -hmm. which was Jacob. Now, in this particular, Esau, is, uh, he, he, he's out there hunting. Mm -hmm. As it says, he's hungry. He comes back. Jacob, his brother, says, hey, I've got a pot of lentils here. Mm -hmm. Now, he didn't ask for it. He didn't ask for the birthright. As you can go back and read it. Esau offered his birthright. He said, listen, if you will give me but this pot of lentils, I will give you my birthright. Now, he could have said that tongue-in-cheek, um, but we know that every out of word that's spoken, God takes into account. Mm -hmm. And Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for a pot of lentils because he was hungry. Mm -hmm. Now, when I get to, when we get to Genesis, the 37th chapter, again, we see another dynamic or another issue regarding um, personalities. You have Joseph, who is the eleventh son of Jacob. Mm -hmm. He's the youngest, mm -hmm. and because he's the youngest, he's the youngest of of all uh, of all of the sons of Jacob. Mm -hmm. But he's a special kid yes. because he's the only son born out of his marriage with Rachel. Mm -hmm. Now, Joseph has a personality, right? Joseph pers Joseph's personality is he's affable. Yes. Um, he's a young man. He's, he's understanding. And, and as we look into the, the story of Joseph, right, he's thrown into, he's sold into Egyptian bondage. Mm -hmm. He's in prison. Um, it's not until he interprets Pharaoh's dream that he finds himself in a position of power. Mm -hmm. But Pharaoh only puts him in a position of power because of the fact that Joseph's personality is that of a servant. Mm -hmm. Joseph is, I would say, if you were to look at, you know, maybe the type A or the type B, he was the type B. He's, he's not ultra competitive. Even though, if you look in Genesis, the 37th chapter, what does he tell his brothers about the dream that he has? He says yes. in uh, uh, verse number 7 of Genesis, the 37th chapter, he dreams or he tells his brother of a dream that he was, uh, that there were sheaves in a field. And lo, his sheaf arose and stood upright and all the other sheaves, which represent his uh, his other brothers, mm -hmm. his ten brothers, stood round about and made obeisance to his sheep. Mm -hmm. Now, the perception was by the other brothers that Joseph was being cocky. Mm -hmm. That Joseph was rubbing the preference that their father had for him in their face. Mm -hmm. He said, uh, uh, as it says, <clears throat> um, uh, ah, in verse number 8 sorry mm -hmm. uh, his brethren said unto him shalt thou indeed reign over us 
And shalt thou have indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, even though Joseph was telling the truth, mm-hmm. even though Joseph had a type B personality, I would say there was a leaning towards that, let's say, um, right of, you know, it's not about me, it's about you, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey, it's about, it's not about being competitive, it's about teamwork and, and cooperation, um, as we see Joseph uh, typifying and later on in life. I mean, Joseph was the man who, when he saw his brothers come to Egypt, um, for food mm-hmm. uh, while there was a famine in uh, Judea. Mm-hmm. He didn't hold back. right? He didn't say, ah, I told you so. He didn't even reveal himself to his brethren right off. Mm-hmm. So Joseph was this type B personality. And we know the story of Joseph as you continue on reading in Joseph, uh, excuse me, here in Genesis, the 37th chapter, that they devised a scheme to get rid of Joseph. Mm-hmm. Continuing, continuing forward, if you have a Bible, um, let's look at uh, Exodus. And yeah, I apologize. We're going we're, we're doing a lot of. Uh, by, uh, Page turning is uh, what's meaning to say. <clears throat> um, Exodus, the give me a second here. Let's go to Exodus, the 18th chapter. It says that uh, in, in, in Exodus, the 18th chapter, Moses, um, after he has led the, the people out of Egypt, mm-hmm. and again, you know, Getting back to the story of Moses, Moses was not a type A personality either. Uh, Moses didn't even want to be the leader of God's people. He told God that there's got to be someone more eloquent of speech than I am. But God said, I've chosen you to lead my people. Um, Looking at Moses from a type B personality, um, Moses... When he, or rather, <clears throat> who is it, Deborah, and uh, um, who was the, the, the minister that was, or the, the, the first Levitical priest, if you will? That was Aaron. Yes. Now, Aaron and Deborah um, got together and they were having a discussion about why God was speaking to Moses. Well, why would why would God speak to Moses, this this you know this person who is not eloquent of speech? Um, he he, there's got to be a better spokesperson. 
And Moses, excuse me, God rebukes both of them by saying that Moses is a man after his own heart. Mm -hmm. And he is the only one that he has chosen to speak with directly. Mm -hmm. When we get to Exodus, the 18th chapter, his father-in-law, Jethro, is also questioning Moses about why is it that you feel an obligation to extend yourself beyond your bounds? Mm -hmm. Why don't you go about and establish judges? And these judges will, in turn, take care of the daily, let's say, it doesn't say daily, um, but if you go to uh, uh, Exodus 18 chapter, um, it says uh, in verse number 10, it says, Jethro said to Moses, Blessed be the Lord who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, <coughs> For in the thing wherein that, that they dwelt proudly, he was above them. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices, and Aaron came, and all the elders of Israel, to eat the bread with Moses, Moses' father-in-law, before God. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning until the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw that all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou self alone, and all the people stand, before, uh, stand by thee from morning unto evening? You know, and, and Moses' response was, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. And when they have a matter, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Um, and if you continue to read on, uh, uh, you know, obviously Jethro says, or suggests, rather, that he teach the ordinance and the laws to the judges and let the judges take care or take care of take some of this load off of Moses mm -hmm. and I, I speak of type A and type B personalities if Moses was a type A personality mm -hmm. do you think Moses would have taken that advice mm -hmm. you know if winning was Moses's aim if competitiveness was Moses's aim if being the chief being the top dog was Moses's you know, part of his personality traits, um, he would have, he probably would have told Jethro, no, uh, that, that's not something I, I want to do. Mm -hmm. And if you look at verse number 24 of Exodus, the 18th chapter, it says, so Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Mm -hmm. And so again, Moses' personality was that of you know, I'm not winning unless everybody else is winning. You know, I'm not doing my job um, first and foremost, which is to serve others. Uh, I'm not doing my job well unless everyone feels like they're being served. 
There's a number of other examples here in the scripture. We can look at uh, the example of David and Saul. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, we can look at uh, 1 Samuel. I'll turn over 1 Samuel, the First uh, Samuel, the 16th chapter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when David was, rather, when God told Samuel whom he had chosen to be the, the king and the rightful king, um, it says, <laughs> it says that Samuel, uh, being that David was really good with the, with the harp, Samuel was, David was sent by Samuel to play the harp to Saul. Now, it says uh, here in, in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel that uh, David was anointed as the king. Mm -hmm. And if you look at, uh, <clears throat> um, what is it, uh, the 22nd, uh, 22nd verse, it says, uh, because, and let's look at verse number 21. Uh, of 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter. It says, And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Mm -hmm. You know, David's personality was not type A. If he had just been anointed king by uh, the prophet Samuel, why would David, you know, look upon Saul with love and admiration? Why would David want to be Saul's armor bearer? It goes on to say, Saul being the, you know, a different type of personality. It says in verse number 22, And Saul went to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a harp and played with his hands, so Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Mm -hmm. So I've given you three examples of, you know, in spite of the fact that, you know, Saul was preferred, yes. in spite of the fact that, you know, Reuben and his nine brothers were preferred, in spite of the fact that uh, Esau was preferred, it's the one that God prefers that um, rules the day. It is mm -hmm. the, the one that God prefers that is ultimately blessed. Um, it is the one that God prefers that continues to be a part of that remnant that God has always preserved uh, throughout, throughout the eons of time. Now, to get to New Testament scripture, let's uh, take a look at... Uh, uh, Romans the ninth chapter. Again, looking at these some of these same examples in Romans the ninth chapter, uh, it says, <clears throat> you know, speaking of, you know, Jacob and Esau. Mm -hmm. It says in verse number eleven of Romans the ninth chapter, <clears throat> it says, "For the children being not born, neither done." neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God 
according to election might stand not of works but of him that calleth it was said unto her you know the Sarah um, the or sorry Rebecca my apologies I did it again in verse number 10 you know that she was going to conceive of a uh, of children it was the angel said unto Rebecca the elder shall serve the younger now, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And in verse number 14 of Romans, the ninth chapter, it says, What shall we say then? Is God there, unri is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. Mm -hmm. and it goes on to use the example that we just got to be looking at about Moses. Mm -hmm. For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion, on whom I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth the mercy. You know, there is a passage of scripture that says that, you know, the one that who is exalted, God will what? Abase. Mm -hmm. The one who is abased, God will exalt. Mm -hmm. If you look at those two personalities of a type A and a type B, which is the one that lives in sustained periods of exaltation of themselves, and which one lives in sustained periods of humility? Well, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm, I'm sure you guys can figure it out that you know one end of the spectrum, the type A, you know, is they're the winners. They're, they want to be out front, leading the charge. You know, as whereas, you know, the type B are the ones who want to be in the background. Why did God choose the Israelites to be his people to begin with? Well, he said he wanted to choose the weak of the world to confound the strong. If you have your Bibles, uh, again, look at uh, Romans, the, uh, the 10th chapter. Um, in Romans, the uh, 10th chapter, uh, starting at verse number 1, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Mm -hmm. For I bear them record that they have zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Mm -hmm. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Mm -hmm. You know, again, we I just mentioned, you know, God chose the, the weak nation of Israel to confound all of the strong nations round about to do what? To bring glory mm -hmm. to himself. To, uh, to show the world that God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the almighty God. But when we get to Romans, the 10th chapter, we read here that this same nation that once was weak is now gotten a little bit too big for their britches. <laughs> They're thinking of themselves more highly than they ought to, such, so much so that as Paul, uh, as is written here by Paul in the third verse, that they have become ignorant of God's righteousness and have gone about making their own brand or form of righteousness. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, 
they have not submitted themselves to the weightiness of the righteousness of God. They, they just won't submit. They won't play second fiddle. They, they, they just don't want to be in second place. And if you look at uh, you know, all of the examples of the Pharisees uh, in, in the times that Jesus was walking about his life, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, mm-hmm. what did he constantly, constantly tell them that they were uh, victims of? Well, they were constantly victims of pride and arrogance. They always wanted to have the preeminence. They, they wanted to occupy the chief seats in the synagogue. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because they wanted, to be, they wanted to be winners. They wanted to be the top dog. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I say that to say this, that there is a psychology that Paul speaks of um, in our scripture reading. Um, and I want to thank brother, um, uh, brother people for reading it in 2 Corinthians, the uh, 11th chapter. And even uh, before we get to the 11th chapter, um, Paul speaks about this in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. The psychology of this is that everybody loves a winner. Mm-hmm. Our president, other than Jimmy Carter, um, and, and maybe there are some other presidents who are affable like Jimmy Carter, but I'm just throwing that out as an example. But most of your CEOs, uh, most of your presidents, most of your leaders of organizations are what? They're type A personalities. Why is that? Is because human beings have a propensity to follow winners or what they perceive to be winners. Right. You know, the first John tells us that all that is in the world is what? The lust of the lust of the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You know, these you know type A personalities, let's say, are I wouldn't say solely invested in it, but they're invested in that, right? Because they want to win. They they're competitive, they want to be on top, they want to be the best, they're striving. For that. And why would you say they would do that? What would be the purpose of being the best? You know, there were two sons of Zebedee, John and James. And what did John and James, the two sons of Zebedee, what did the mother of those two disciples say to, say to Christ? Well, she went to Christ and said, you know, if you will, when you go up into heaven, can you put one of my sons on either side of your throne? Why would she say that? If it weren't because of the pride of life. Yes. Right? She wanted her two sons to be the preeminent disciples of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, it's not mine to give. Mm-hmm. He goes on to further say, Whoso is the least among you will be the greatest. You know, in, in a, in a, uh, the doctrine of Jesus Christ tells us that it isn't about, you know, who finishes, who finishes first in this, you know, 
you know, it's kind of like lobsters in a barrel, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, I, if I'm not faster than you, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to reach outside of my mother's womb and try to pull you down. And that was an homage to uh, Jacob and Esau. But, you know, right, you know, lobsters in a barrel, they'll, they'll pull the other lobster down and then crawl on top of him to, to get closer to what they perceive to be freedom or to the prize of freedom. Human beings, we love those people. We idolize those people. I mean, quarterbacks, the, you know, the captain of the football team, you know, the, the, the class president, you know, all of those people who are super outgoing, right? You know those people. Those are the ones who are running organizations. Those are our presidents, our senators, our CEOs. And God bless them, because yes. they serve a role. Mm -hmm. But if you look here at what uh, Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians, or maybe, maybe the warning is if you are a type A personality. And I'm not saying that the scripture does not say that those who have type A, per, right. those who have leanings towards a competitive spirit are, are worse than those who have a type B person. I'll show you a couple of verses that highlight that. It, it, does, not, it does not say that a, a type A personality is that of a, of a sinner, and a type B personality is that of a righteous, or, or vice versa. But what the scripture tells us is, if you have leanings towards the type A spectrum, there are some things that you need to be mindful of that need to be that you constantly need to temper that personality against. One of those is humility and submission. In 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, Paul talks about type A personalities who bring that personality into, a, into the spiritual world. He says, uh, um, uh, he goes in verse number 7 of 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, he says, do ye look on things after the outward appearance? Right? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, then let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. You, you hear what he said? He said there's no I in team. Or rather, there's no I in the team of Jesus Christ. You know, I'll read it again. If any man trusts to himself that he is under the possession of Christ or on the team of Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. Mm. Okay. He goes on to say in verse number 8, For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord had given us for, for edification, he's speaking of the authority of the apostleship, mm -hmm. and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. Mm -hmm. He goes on to say, That I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters, and here's, here's what I'm talking about, for by letters say they, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked about this before, right? 
Paul didn't match up with his words. You know, people were saying, well, Paul is all is all bark and no bite. Look at it. He doesn't fit the profile of somebody we should be following because, you know, he's not this or he's not that. Now, Paul used to be this and that, was he not? Yes. Paul tells us that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Uh, as a matter of fact, he speaks of this in, in the next chapter, in chapter 11. Mm -hmm. He was all that in a bag of chips. As a matter of fact, Paul says that the, the, that thorn in the flesh that he struggled with was his saving grace to bring him some humility. He was all that in a bag of chips. He was leading the charge of throwing Christians in jail. He was a chief Pharisee, but he gave all that up for the cause of Christ when he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. Mm -hmm. He goes on to say in verse number 12, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God had distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. Mm -hmm. right, he says that you know the, the breadth and the scope of who we are mm -hmm. is not defined by you know the who we are by ourselves, if you will, but by the Lord God. Mm -hmm. So we get to 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, and our scripture reading. Uh, Paul starts off by saying that there are false prophets, mm -hmm. or ministers, as it says, you know, in verse number 14, um, you know, Satan will transform himself into an angel of light. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I, I got to thinking about this in light of what we talked about last Lord's Day. If you remember, I referenced the the first and the second beast. The, the, the first and the second beast are able to sway people because they look mm -hmm. like winners. Mm -hmm. They exalt themselves. Right? The, if you go back and you read the book of Revelation, it says that the second beast will, um, you know, set the first beast up on a pedestal such that those even in the body of Christ will worship the first beast. Paul says that you will know these ministers by their works in verse number 15. Verse number 16, Paul goes on to say as he's talking about you know, this this personality of boasting, you know, those who have a personality that lends themselves to, uh, you know, exalting uh, themselves above others. He says in verse number 16, let no man think of me a fool, mm -hmm. but if you do, um, as a fool receive me so that I can do a little bit of boasting here. What does he say? He says, <clears throat> Well, let's read it here. In, in verse number 18, it says, Seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will give it a try as well. 
I will glory also. Mm -hmm. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing ye yourselves are wise. You know what he's saying here? He's saying that, you know, you are suffering people who exalt themselves above everybody else to be the people that you allow to lead you. You follow these people. You put them up in chief positions. He says, for ye suffer them as fools, because these are the same men that bring you into bondage. Mm -hmm. They devour you. Right. They take stuff from you. Mm -hmm. It says, if a man exalt himself and then smack you in the face, that's the same person that you follow. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, again, if, if that's the type of leader you want, well, then let me talk about, let me, let me go over my resume. As they say in, the, in Europe, my CV. What does he say? He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I am more. He says, if you want to follow a leader, then I'm your guy. Right? My resume far exceeds them, but what makes me different, even in spite of the fact that I have a far superior resume than them? Mm -hmm. Take a look at what it says in verse number 30. He says, what separates me from them is I don't glory in the things that makes me the winner, Things that makes me the top dog, mm -hmm. things that would set me at the preeminence above others. He says, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on in chapter 12 to talk about this thorn in the flesh, does he not? Mm -hmm. It is... Paul was a type A personality, but guess what he did when he joined the family of Jesus? When he became a part of Team Christ, mm -hmm. even with that type A personality, what did he do? He had to recalibrate his mind. He had to recalibrate his mind, and that recalibration was centered around a spirit of humility. He subjected himself. He didn't take on the, the righteousness of the Pharisees. No, he gave up that brand of righteousness and accepted the righteousness of God. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 9 chapter, and I'm almost done here. In 1 Corinthians 9 chapter, uh, he talks about running a race. And this is interesting, right? Because the type A personality is the one who has to win the race. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about the extremes. I'm not saying, as I just mentioned, right, it's impossible to lump 50% of the world into one bucket or the other. We're all on a spectrum, depending on circumstance, you know, environment, jobs, necessity, et cetera, et cetera. But what Paul talks about here in 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, he says, he says in verse number 24, he says, Know ye not that they which run a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. 
So run that ye may obtain. And you may say, Thomas, well, that goes completely counter right. to 90, to, to what you just said for the past, you know, 40 or so minutes. Mm -hmm. You just said, with the scriptures in support, you said that it's not important, you know, who wins as long as we all win. Okay, but if I were to just look at that verse, right, in a vacuum, mm -hmm. you, you would probably have an argument. But guess what Paul says before he said he makes that point? You know, in starting at verse number 19 up into that point, what does he do? What does he talk about? To sum it up in verse number 22, it says, uh, 1 Corinthians 9 chapter, it says, To the weak. Became I as the weak that I may, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Mm -hmm. You know, again, what he's saying here is that it's not about me. It's about everyone else. I will sacrifice me. I will change me to conform to whatever is needed to save you. And then he says in verse number 24, if you're going to run a race, mm -hmm. run it to win the prize. Mm -hmm. In verse number 25, he goes on to say, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now others, they, that they mean those out there in the world, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. Mm -hmm but we an incorruptible. Okay, let's stop right there. How many crowns does God have in heaven? Okay, if there's only one crown, who's getting it? If there's only one crown in heaven, who's getting it? Jesus is getting it. Right? Well, God is... God is king, but I mean, you know, let's let's say a prince's crown. How about that? If there's only one crown, who's getting it? Jesus is getting it. Are you any better than Jesus? Can you out-sprint, out-hustle, out-righteous, if you will, if this is, you know, the Olympic righteousness games? Can any one of us be more righteous than, than Jesus? Can Paul be any more righteous than Jesus? If the scripture just says that someone who thinks that they are Christ, let him think this again, that as he is Christ, then we are also Christ. So what that lets me know, and the scripture tells us, you can go back and look at, um, you know, the book of Revelations, the 21st chapter, you know, this, this kingdom, this, this Jerusalem comes down from heaven as a bride adorned, uh, for uh, for the groom, mm -hmm. right? Um, and Jesus said before he left, in my father's house are many mansions, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> even when, you know, going back to the example of the mother of Zebedee or the wife of Zebedee, you know, talking to Christ about, you know, who's going to have the preeminence, Christ's response was, whoever is least is going to be the greatest. However, how, how many lease are there? Okay, let me rephrase it. Is there a last place? 
there's a first place, there's a last place. But how many last place finishers will there be? How, how let, me, let me put it to you in this context. Who is the least in the kingdom of God? Can you be any more humble than Jesus Christ? Who, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself and made himself lower than the angels. Mm -hmm. Talk about somebody who humbled himself from the highest of perches. None of us can be any lower than Christ. Okay, emphasize this point. How many of us went to hell or a place of torment for the sins of the entire world? There's only one person who's done that. The greatest in the kingdom is the one who has who is willing to sacrifice and humble themselves the most for the benefit of the friend and foe to the left or to the right of them. So Paul talks about an incorruptible crown. There is an infinite number of incorruptible crowns available. So this incorruptible crown that is that is available to the one who wins the race is not just to the one who Okay, you can go back and read 2 Timothy. What did 2 Tim Paul tell Timothy? He said that a crown is available to what? To whom? To all who love God and are called according to his purpose. You know, this crown is available to all of us. So he says in verse number 26 of 1 Corinthians 9 chapter, I, there, I therefore so run not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into what? Subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. You know, the, the, you know, Paul talks about what happens um, what did he say in 1 Corinthians? He said, I am thankful I only baptized maybe two or three of y'all mm -hmm. in the congregation of Corinth. Mm -hmm. Why? Because everybody loves a winner. Mm -hmm. And so what, what, were, what was that congregation broken up? Some thought that Peter was the man. Mm -hmm. Some thought that Paul was the man. Some thought that Christ was the man. Um, what, what was the other one, brother? Cephas, Cephas was the man. Peter. Uh, you know, I mean, everybody had their, their, their guy. Mm -hmm. That, yeah, this is my guy. This is my hero. This is the man. You know, the, the type not understanding. Not understanding that all of those men, even Christ, had a personality of humility and subjection under God. Mm -hmm. And so I conclude by saying that there is a personality of a Christian. There, there's an identity of a Christian. And we are all different individuals. Um, you know, I may be a little bit more outgoing in my dress than you, um, you may be a little more outgoing um, out in, in public than me. Uh, there's, there's nuances because we're on a spectrum. 
But the personality trait that should be common to all Christians is the personality trait of humility. And the only way to ensure that we have that personality of humility is that we submit ourselves to the authority and to the power, to the weight of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the word of God. I, I go back um, to some of those examples in the Old Testament scripture. <clears throat> what happened when Moses did subject himself to the power of God? God told him to tap the rock. Moses said, it's not good enough for me to tap the rock. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strike that rock. And what? He, 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 never, he, he, he never put, laid, he never put his feet on the promised land. You could just see it from a vantage point. It says that he turned around and went the opposite direction and died. Let's look about David. What happened with David when he got a little bit too big for his britches and he took that woman um, who wasn't rightfully his? What happened? Nathan went to him and said, Ah, you've done wrong. And what did God do? God took his eldest child. Yes. Who else did we look at? Uh, we talked about Joseph. Joseph was a pretty straight arrow throughout. Um, so I, I really don't have an example for Joseph. Um, but Moses, <clears throat> certainly. David, certainly. You, we can see what can happen if you know we kind of move or, or, and we've talked about this, or I mentioned this phrase, we move out of phase with God mm -hmm. at times by buying into wanting to be the man or wanting to be the woman or thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to, playing into the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. Bad things happen. Bad things happen when you get out of phase with God. As God has told us, Again, you know, the one who is exalted, God will bring you low to teach you that lesson. So the only way to stay low, to stay humble, is to continually keep ourselves in tune with being in subjection to the Word of God. And so with that, I'll, I'll, I, I will uh, close and just say, if you're here this morning and you struggle with subjecting yourself, um, and what does the scripture tell us that we ought to do? What are the two commandments that we are subjected to? We are to love God with all of our minds, our spirits, our souls, with, with all of our minds. The second commandment is like unto that, that we are to love others as or more, you know, the preference is to love them more than you love yourself because Jesus loved us more than he loved himself and the mm -hmm. fact that he died for us. Mm -hmm. So the second commandment is that we have to love others more than we love ourselves. I guess my point 
And what the word is leaning us towards is you can't get there if you invest in winning all the time. You can't get there if it's all about you. You can't get there if it's all about me being the top dog, me winning the race, being ultra competitive, bringing people low so I can bring uh, so I can bring myself up. It doesn't work. It's it's contradictory to the 